This is Wisconsin's Weekend Morning News with Libby Collins. And we have a very, very busy show ahead. Tell you about that in just a minute. You mentioned the uh, connection to WTMJ with Bob Barker. Johnny Olson, the announcer on the original Price is Right, used to work here. Yes, that's correct. In the 1930s, so we're looking at almost a hundred years ago. Don't, don't say <laughs> that. I mean that that even predates me. But um, wow, I, I did not know about that connection. I mean, if if you listened at all to TV back in the 50s, the 60s, or even the 70s, I think Johnny Olson was still, you know, out there and around. And as a matter of fact, speaking about that, we're going to be talking with longtime WTMJ personality Jim Peck later on this morning about Bob Barker and you know because Jim hosted a lot of um, the game shows in Hollywood for a number of years between his times and in Milwaukee and he knew a lot of these people and he really understands the significance of those game shows which one of the few that still exists today is The Price is Right. That's true. On daytime TV. So you you weren't one of those college kids who uh, who scheduled your classes around the prices right were you <laughs> no i was not <laughs> oh you, you know you seem like you're such a serious student jessica i bet you didn't even stay home uh, stay uh, in the dorm to watch all my children <laughs> i did not uh, i see, was a, I, I was it. a commuter so I, oh okay <laughs> I, I get that anyway we've got a lot to talk about this morning including if you've ever won the publisher's clearinghouse no not for real but did you ever get a call saying you've won the Publishers Clearinghouse. Well, our consumer expert says not so fast. We're going to be talking with her a little bit more uh, later on this morning. Also, Milwaukee's Brett Newski is back in town. And we're going to find out where you can see him perform later on this week. Um, big week here with the debate with uh, so many politicians in town. And of course, the eyes of the world on Milwaukee. Well, Mark Cass was there. And he also attended the RNC Vendor uh, Fair which was quite interesting, and he's going to talk a little bit about that. Also, speaking of the debate, with politics, you always want to follow the money. And we're going to hear from former Congressman Scott Klug. You might remember him. He was one of the Gang of Seven. Remember those guys back in the uh, 90s? They're the ones who uncovered the bank scandal, the House bank scandal, and the House uh, mail scandal that resulted in uh, the head of the oh, Ways and Means yeah. committee to resign. Well, we're going to hear about we're going to hear from him about which candidates are going to be profiting most from their debate performance and when we say profiting that means they're going to benefit financially for their campaigns. Also Matt Miller is going to tell us why he is all over Aaron Rodgers. That's right. He's over Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Habitat for Humanity does a lot for the community. There's no doubt about that. And John McCure found out how some of our teammates here at the station are getting involved. We'll hear from them. Jessica, of course, is in the newsroom. Isaac's here pushing those buttons. And in just two minutes, it is Dominic Catronio in sports. I'm Libby Collins on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. It is 67 degrees at 810. Make it seven wins in a row for the Milwaukee Brewers as they take the series over the Padres with a 5-4 final on Saturday night. They got some great pitching from Freddie Peralta, but it came down to the wire in yet another one-run game. The stretch and the 2-2 coming. Struck him out with a 
changeup. Ball game over. It's seven straight for Milwaukee. A 5-4 win tonight at American Family Field. Jeff Levering on the call here on WTMJ. Devin Williams locks down his 31st save. Freddie Peralta also claimed the win, his career-high 11th. Here's what Craig Council had to say about the second half's best pitcher. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about his first half when there wasn't, you know, the results weren't exactly what we wanted, but there didn't look like anything that we needed to really adjust. And, and And I think just kind of sticking to it. And, you know, the number one thing with Freddie is always going to be let's just keep him healthy, keep the arm solid and in good shape. And it feels like every start he's making, he's showing that big stuff. The finale of the series is today with coverage beginning at noon. First pitch is scheduled at 110 here on WTMJ. And a standings update with the Brewers winning seven in a row now. They still hold a four-game lead on the NL Central over the Chicago Cubs. The Reds also victorious on Saturday. They remain five games back. The Packers wrapped up the preseason on Saturday afternoon as well up at Lambeau Field. All sealed on a highlight interception from rookie safety Benny Sapp III. Holton Aylers. Good pocket. End zone. Intercepted. It's picked off. Benny Sapp has saved the game and given Green Bay the win. Kevin Harlan on the call. So now the preseason is all finished. The Packers win over the Seahawks 19-15. Now all eyes are on week one, September 10th, down in Chicago, taking on the Bears. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. Can't wait for the season to start. Those big Sundays where you get your ham and rolls and sit back and watch the game. Boy, looking forward to it. It is 8.15. We have 67 degrees at WTMG. I'm going to have your full forecast. And also, Mark Cass is coming up. Uh, he, he spent a lot of time with Republicans at the debate, the RNC vendor fair. We're going to hear about that. And also, why Cole's earnings are down. That's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Oh, that heat we had earlier this week is all gone, and it is going to be pretty nice today. We're going to get up to about 71 degrees. There is a slight chance of uh, maybe a few little scattered showers along the lakefront, but nothing to really worry about. Uh, It'll go away real quick. Then tonight, mainly clear and cool. Open up those windows because we're going to have about 58 degrees if you're near the lake, 53 further inland. Tomorrow, another nice day under sunny skies, 78. On Tuesday, we have a slight chance of a shower partly cloudy back to 80 wednesday mostly sunny and 72 and thursday sunshine and 77 right now in uh, sheboygan we have 63 degrees uh delafield is at 62 and in franklin 64 we have 67 degrees at wtmj at 818 and that means it's time to check in on our tri-county contracting hotline with mark cass he's the editor-in-chief of the milwaukee business journal What an exciting week, Mark. You were at the Republican primary debate the other night. What was that atmosphere like? It was a very interesting atmosphere, Libby. There were a lot of people there from around the country who were very much into the event from the content standpoint. And then there were a lot of us from Milwaukee who were there to see how it showed, to be really involved in history, and to really represent the city. So I think it was an interesting evening. It was a good crowd in the arena. There was a lot of energy there. There was a lot of talk in there. Here's a couple things I really liked about it. One was hopefully you watched it and saw that the intro 
was a shot of the city of Milwaukee from Fox. Showed like City Hall, showed other areas of Wisconsin, and I think we showed very well. You know, throughout the day, throughout the week, I ran into a lot of the people who were in from out of town who'd never seen Milwaukee before, who'd never been here before. So I think that was good for Milwaukee. But the energy, I think it was just a nice dry run for next year, and I think we did well. But I will tell you, there a few interesting things about the debate. There was no alcohol sold in the building. There was alcohol up on the suite level, but not in the main concourse. So no one could have a beer and no one could have a drink, which I thought was very interesting. And then just how long you were there. You were there at six o'clock. It didn't end till after 10. And, you know, that was interesting. And then the third thing was there was individuals there from all over the country. I met people from Iowa, people from California, people from Florida, people from Texas. So you really got a lot of individuals from around the country here into Milwaukee for the first time. Is some of the people that you met, are they expected to be delegates to the convention next year? Yeah, they were, and they talked about that because they were here. What also went on throughout Wednesday was an expo held early in the day, about 300 companies at Wisconsin Center to show off their wares, to show off their products. So you had food companies, you had restaurants, you had a Bensol, you had trucking firms, you had transit firms, you had all these firms that were there who were showing off their goods. And these people who were in town for both the event and for their meetings had a chance to meet these companies, to hear what they had to say, and hopefully hire them next year when they come to town. So yeah, there was a lot of -of out-of-towners in town walking around. All the restaurants were full. They had a big after party, 800 people right where you worked over there at the 3rd Street Market Hall until the early morning hours on the Thursday. A lot of people got to experience Milwaukee for the first time. Now, I understand you and our own Vince Vitrano did a little interview on Fox this week as well. What was that experience like for you? It was interesting. It was fun. Just being out with Vince, he and I are very good friends. So I I didn't even know. It's kind of funny. They reached out and said, hey, Mark, you want to be on there? I said, sure. They said, you want to be on with this guy named Vince Vitrano? I said, who's he? Never heard of them. So it's kind of fun to be on with Vince. Just a chance to go behind the scenes, see their operation, see how large of an operation they had. Then they got a chance to be on the air and talk about Milwaukee. The interviewer, Brett, who was one of the moderators of the debate, just asked me a lot of questions about Milwaukee. What this means to Milwaukee, why Milwaukee is a swing area, why Wisconsin is a swing state, what this means to the city. A good chance to talk about Milwaukee. And the fascinating thing for me, Libby, was the emails and the calls I got afterwards. There are a lot of people who watch Fox in this city. And so the reason. I also heard from a lot of friends I haven't heard from in a while who I now know are huge Fox watchers because I hadn't heard from them in years, but here they were. So good experience, fun experience. And just to be honest with Vince was just really a lot of fun. Did you have a chance to meet any of the candidates? I did not. I met a number of the media people, met people who worked with the candidates. But the candidates were really working in the room, really trying to speak to the other people. So no, I did not. But having them all here, I thought was great. Seeing them around town as they were at hotels, at restaurants, at the after parties, I think it was just a nice chance. I think you'll see a lot of them here over that two months. The thing, again, a lot of people talk about is who wasn't here, right? While what happened here, Libby, was a dress rehearsal, we didn't get a dress rehearsal with Trump in town. And kind of what will that mean if he is going to be the nominee next year and what he brings? I saw his son and others who were here for him. But, you know, with him not here, we didn't see the full atmosphere that he brings to any place he goes. One last question about the actual debate. You were in Pfizer Forum. Who had the best reaction from the crowd and who had the worst? Well, Chris Christie had the worst. He got a lot of booze. A lot of booze. So that was interesting. I'd say the best was mixed. I came away impressed with Nikki Haley. I thought she was very good. Again, I'm not going to talk about the politics as that's not what I do. But I just came away very impressed with her. She got a lot of applause. 
So I think she was one of the ones, but I had Chris Christie. He's the only one who actually, when they were introduced, he got booed. Yeah. I mean, I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, I agree with you about Nikki Haley. She seems to be the mom who calls the timeout for yes. everybody else. That's what she? I love. I actually turned to the people who were sitting next to me and said, geez, I've seen that at home. I've seen that with my wife <laughs> saying to me, Mark, this is what you're going to do. This is my mom. I thought she was just very smart, very articulate, and just very impressive. Yeah, a lot of common sense. All right, let's move on to something else that's going to affect the delegates when they're in town next week. And that is your report in the Milwaukee Business Journal about the second line of the hop streetcar. It's going to open on October. October 29th, and I expect you to be on there with me, riding around. Absolutely. It's going to be very interesting because they're obviously expanding it, but because, as I've talked about, I've been to the Couture recently, I've seen construction of Couture, you can't run this line through an active construction site, so it's only going to run on Sundays for the first few months. It has to start running in October, or they could lose the potential federal money, so it had to start going, but it's only going to run like that, and it's not going to stop at Couture until April. Let's be honest, there are a lot of people who head to the lakefront from November through January or February, right? That's not a big deal. I think where they're aiming for is to have this thing really running strong starting April next year as we get into Summerfest, as we get into all the summer festivals, to have that line active, to be able to access the lakefront from the Intermittal Station, from the east side of Milwaukee through that route, I think is a step. But as I've said to you many times, it's got to be a step. It's a big deal because it's the first step. It's a small step, but we need to look at expanding into other places if we want this to be a whole system. We need to look at the convention center. We need to look at the arena. We need to look at north up into Purvis Hill, going south into Walker's Point. That's what has to happen. But this is a nice step, and I expect to see you there sitting next to me on the first ride. Absolutely. Save a seat for me. All right. So you mentioned the Couture. Is it on yeah. schedule? Yeah, it is on schedule. I was up there recently for a tour with the developer. He gave me a one-on-one tour. It was a lot of fun just to go up 24 stories and actually look at the view. And that was only just over halfway up in terms of what it's going to be. But they are going to start showing apartments in October. They're going to have occupancy of some apartments in April of 24. And the entire thing up and running in 24. So that's a big deal. You know, it's the largest housing in terms of the residential structure in the state of Wisconsin. So we've right on the lakefront there, beautiful site, beautiful sight lines, adding three restaurants in the building, adding the transit center. So this is a chance another opportunity for Milwaukee, adding to our skyline. After this is done, you have to look to the south. There's another site right to the south there. When could that end up being our next skyscraper? All right. Well, Kohl's reported their earnings this week and sales dropped, and they have been affected just as many major retailers have by the string of professional thieves cleaning out stores. Yeah. Fascinating to me because, you know, we've often heard for years and years and years about shoplifting, right? And we all, we've seen some of it, unfortunately, and see it go on. But now it's going to such high as I've seen these shots of what's going on out in L.A., what's happened in Chicago over the months. And this stuff matters. I think we have to realize when a retailer loses things like this, who ends up with the cost? It's going to be you and I because they have to make up that money somewhere, right? So it becomes the other customers who actually end up getting harmed by this. So this is something that all retailers right now are just kind of trying to work through, trying to figure it out, trying to find the right balance to make sure that they can treat their customers with respect, but yet they have to make sure that someone's not stealing from them. So this one will be interesting for them to handle, but important because of the impact it has on everybody. And I think we all are paying more because of these. Really, it's yeah. it's professional. No I mean, it's, it's organized yep. crime. And everybody's paying for it. Hey, listen, Mark, okay. always good to hear from you. Glad you had a great time with all the Republicans all last week. I thought I'd see you on the stage, maybe, well, maybe doing a little Libby, some sort of talk, a Libby talk. What about that? No, actually, I was out looking for the top chefs because they're still in yeah, town. You're always looking for top chefs. We're going to talk about that again. I know this is going to be the hot thing you and I talk about for the next few months. I'm always happy to. Have a great week, Mark. All right, Libby, you take care. I am. I'm obsessed with Top Chef. 
I have not seen them. Have you seen them yet, Isaac? Have you been out and about looking for the not, Top Chefs? I have not seen them out anywhere yet. I saw that uh, Gail Simmons and Kristen Kish were at Cops earlier this week, and I thought, oh, you know, I love Cops. I go there all the time. And unfortunately, not when they were there. But one of these day, one of these days, I will have a spotting. I'm 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 got my eyes open. Oh, I'm, I'm sure looking. You ev- do. I'm looking everywhere, and I think they're going to be in town for about another month or so. That's what I heard. But we'll we'll wait and see. All right, it is eight twenty seven. It's going to be a beautiful day today. A little overcast right now. If you're real close to the lake, you might even have a little bit of you know little, few few little drops here and there of rain, but uh, nothing to really worry about. Uh, getting up into the seventies uh, today, and right now we have sixty seven degrees at WTMJ. Welcome back to Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. I'm Libby Collins. A little bit later on this half hour, we're going to Matt Miller. Boy, is he over Aaron Rodgers? Wait until you hear this one. Uh, right now, though, it has been a historic political week for Milwaukee. There was a heat dome that engulfed the region at a unique Brewers first pitch. There's so much more, too. It's a week in review brought to you by Outdoor Living Unlimited. What we do here is go back, 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 back. Weekend of violence continued Sunday night. Milwaukee police investigating a quadruple shooting. Police called to the scene. This was 13th and Mitchell, about 830. Just blocks from where that man opened fire Saturday night, injuring nine. Tropical storm Hillary swamped arid parts of Mexico and then drenched Southern California. We're seeing rescuers to pull several people from swollen rivers. Well, there was a tropical storm in the area in the late 90s. The National Weather Service says Hillary was the first to directly impact Southern California since the 1930s. August 22nd at 7 p.m., I will be at American Family Field to throw out the first pitch when the Milwaukee Brewers take on the Minnesota Twins. We are joined by a very special guest as we celebrate superheroes This is like a fever dream. According to Russian media, Russia's Federal Air Transport Agency says Yevgeny Prigozhin is listed as being among the passengers aboard a private jet that crashed in the Tver region on Wednesday. I don't know for a fact what happened, but I'm not surprised. Welcome back to the program. In studio, the representative of the 14th Congressional District in the state of Georgia, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Miss Representative, thank you for being here. Welcome to Milwaukee. Thanks for having me on today. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, are you a racist? Boy, that escalated quickly. Absolutely not. That is, is absurd. Trump, is Donald Trump a racist? Absolutely not. Why is it so hot here? A WDTMJ Fleet Farm Storm Team alert and excessive heat warning now in effect for today. The models are all going 100 or close to it. We are expecting heat index values to climb as high as 115 degrees. It's prolonged heat that makes heat the number one weather-related killer in the United States. We're likely to see some of the hottest temperatures we've seen all summer long today, so I want folks to take some precautions there. Incoming freshman Arani Bertanian says there are just some things you can't do dorm life without. Lots of fans because it's really hot today. <laughs> Maybe open windows. Probably sit in front of the fan in my dorm. <laughs> That's all I got for now. Eventually, late afternoon and evening, that lake breeze kicks in and there's the end of our little mini heat wave.
It's a who's who in the GOP political world all in downtown Milwaukee. Republican presidential candidates gearing up for the first GOP primary debate tonight. This is going to be unconventional because, of course, the front runner in this race, former President Donald Trump, will not be on the stage. For him to show up as almost a Babe Ruth with a bunch of t-ball players, it doesn't make any sense. Based on what we're seeing in polling, they don't want to see these candidates just go up there and trash Trump to to use a term. They want to see how you contrast yourself to the former president. Adam Roberts with you inside the spin room, hours away from the first Republican presidential debate. Only one candidate has made their way into the spin room so far this afternoon. That would be North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum. He tore his ACL on Tuesday playing a pickup basketball game. If you're going to lead this country, you ought to be able to stand on one leg for two hours. Dozens of protesters from Milwaukee to Florida. Shut it down! Marching with a variety of messages. Aimed at the Republican Party. They just don't represent anything anymore for the majority of America. And I'm really tired of it. Welcome to the first debate of the 2024 presidential campaign live at Pfizer Forum in Milwaukee. Our country is in decline. This decline is not inevitable. It's a choice. Joe Biden has weakened this country at home and abroad. Now is not the time for on-the-job training. I'm the only person on the stage who isn't bought and paid for, so I can say this. The climate change agenda is a hoax. The climate change agenda is a hoax. I've had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like ChatGPT. How do you do, fellow kids? This is exactly why Margaret Thatcher said, if you want something said, ask a man. If you want something done, ask a woman. Donald Trump Jr. making his way into the media filing center after the debate wrapped up, but he wasn't allowed in the spin room by hosts Fox News. So apparently I can't go there because, again, I can't represent my father just like I couldn't when he was first indicted. What were your impressions of what happened tonight? With the exception of Donald Trump not being there, they played up to their percentage. I would put Nikki Haley above Ron DeSantis. I agree with you. He has like Scott Walker syndrome. Once he stops talking, it's like he disappears. Uh, that's going to wrap it up. I'm John Merck here. Enjoy the rest of your night. What a week, eh? What a week. Okay, guys, take care and goodbye. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. It's 840, and the weekend review is brought to you by Outdoor Living Unlimited. I'm Libby Collins, and uh, coming up, have you gotten one of those calls saying, you've won the publisher's clearinghouse? Seems like we're getting more and more of those. And your cell phone yet. Oh, well, we'll tell you what to do about it. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. It's going to be a pretty nice day today. Sunshine, 71. Boy, this is a great day to get outdoors. Take a walk. Take a long walk with the dog. Uh, Mainly clear and cool tonight. You can get the fire pit out because we're going to have about 58 if you're near the lake, 53 further inland. And uh, tomorrow looks mostly sunny and 78 for a high. On Tuesday, we do have a slight chance of a shower. It'll get a little bit more cloudy, and but the temperatures are going to be right around 80. Wednesday, mostly sunny, 72. Thursday, sunny and 77. In Germantown right now, it's 62 degrees. Pleasant Prairie is 65. East Troy is at 63 and it's 67 degrees at WTMJ at 844. Well, you probably have heard, you won the publisher's clearinghouse. 
but you really didn't. Joining us on our Tri-County Contracting Hotline is Michelle Reinen, our consumer expert, and tell us what's going on with that publisher clearinghouse scam. Yeah, well, the publisher's clearinghouse scam is still out there, and it's imposters trying to pretend that they are publisher's clearinghouse, and they're just engaged in outright fraud, and they're very difficult to stop because they're just enticing you with a prize to pay bogus fees and taxes. However, the Federal Trade Commission actually just settled a lawsuit with the legitimate publisher's clearinghouse, and they've agreed to pay $18.5 million to consumers who wasted their money on misleading sweepstakes drawings, and they need to make substantial changes to how they're going to conduct business online. So it can be confusing to know if you're really dealing with the legitimate publisher's clearinghouse or if you're dealing with the scammers who just call you and ask you to make a payment for the taxes and fees. But the big difference here is how did you engage with the company? Was it from a random telephone call that came out of the blue? That's going to be a scam. If you never entered the clearinghouse sweepstakes, you can't possibly win. However, the legitimate one, if you did enter, you may have been manipulated into thinking that if you bought product, you could have increased your chances of winning. And that's where the Federal Trade Commission has stepped in and made sure that they are making changes to that company as a result of the tactics they've used to entice consumers. Will any of the consumers get restitution from that FTC settlement with Publishers Clearinghouse? Yeah, in this case, they are going to be working with the Federal Trade Commission to determine how any disbursements will be made. So as we have information, we will share that. But you can always go to the Federal Trade Commission's website, ftc.gov, and follow that for yourself. And what's that Wisconsin Consumer Protection Hotline, Michelle? 1-800-422-7128. It's 846, 67 degrees. You're one minute away from... Sports with Dominic Catronio right here on WTMJ. For the second consecutive game, the Brewers ride one hot inning to defeat the San Diego Padres and mark seven consecutive wins. A 5-4 final on Saturday keeps the Brewers four games clear of the Cubs in the NL Central. And a five-run fifth inning was all the offense needed. Here's manager Craig Council. It was a move-the-line type inning, just a, just a bunch of good at-bats and a bunch of guys... You know, we got some momentum going. You know, we got some some runners on and and in an inning when he was maybe tiring a little bit and uh, made it work. The finale of the series is today at 110 as the Brewers look for their eighth consecutive win. Our coverage will begin at noon. I've got you covered for Brewers warm-up. Then the network pregame takes over at 1235 for first pitch at 110. The finale of the preseason for the Packers has come and gone. A 1915 victory for Green Bay. Jordan Love went 9 of 15 in the contest for 63 yards in the air and one touchdown. He also rushed a little bit too, collecting 21 yards on the ground. All in all, head coach Matt LaFleur was pleased, but there was one thing that caught his eye. The energy in the stadium, our fans were, you could feel it, would love to refrain from doing the wave on when we're on offense, but it feels like that's tradition, so... But it was, it was all in all, it was really good. It was great. Week one of the NFL season is two weeks from today, September 10th, down at Soldier Field for the Packers and the Bears. And week zero of the college football season has come and gone. And no surprises, Notre Dame, 13th ranked team in Ireland, defeat Navy 42-3. Also number six, USC had no problem at home with San Jose State, 56-28. 
Heisman hopeful Caleb Williams threw for four touchdowns. 19th ranked Wisconsin opens at home next Saturday against Buffalo. For WTMJ Sports, I'm Dominic Catronio. See, I've got my eye on Mr. Magoo. What is he, the third third screen or third uh <laughs> he's he's like the third quarterback up. Is that is am I right on that one? I have never heard anything about a Mr. Magoo. Well, I, no, I, they say Magoo. I I say he's Mr. Magoo, but I've got my eye on him. I I think he's going to be fun to watch. But you got to get to third string before he gets out there on the field. All right, it is. I, it's those little things when I'm watching the football games. All right, uh, eight four. 849 is your time. We've got uh, 67 degrees at WTFJ. Matt Miller, speaking of football, boy, is he over. Is he over Aaron Rodgers? We're going to talk about some hard knocks. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Winning News. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. Getting closer and closer to the official start of football season, but it kind of started already uh, streaming, and that's Hard Knocks. Tell us about this show, because there's a lot of talk because of, well, because of a certain quarterback they're focusing on this this season. Yeah, conveniently enough, HBO's Hard Knocks, which is their annual kind of behind-the-scenes look at an NFL team throughout a year, uh, conveniently enough, this season it's the New York Jets, and I wonder if there's any new famous star quarterbacks mm. playing in New York right now. Mm. Let me think. Uh, yeah, I, I'll be honest. I I have no interest in watching this season of Hard Knocks. Uh, I in general, I, I'm kind of tired of documentaries that feel more like they're about brand extensions than about telling an interesting story, um, and that's kind of what hard knocks is you're never going to get a really truly authentic look at life on a football team it's always going to be you know projected through the the frame of the nfl but also i've had enough aaron Rodgers to last me a lifetime you know I, the, the nice the, the nice thing about aaron Rodgers no longer being in uh in green and gold is that i don't have to care about him anymore i don't have to you know, watch his annoying segments on uh, What's-His-Name's talk show, and I, I don't have to care about when he goes on his darkness retreats, uh, and I don't have to care when he's on Hard Knocks. So I'm really excited when he starts complaining about the Jets' offense approximately five minutes into the first quarter of the K of their first game. That, that's going to be their problem. And I'll just be able to enjoy Jordan Love and the Packers. Isn't there something, though, with the teams that have been featured on Hard Knocks that they don't make the playoffs or they lose in the playoffs or something? Yeah, I believe the rule is if you haven't made the playoffs in, I believe, two seasons in a row, and it can't be a new coach. So that they have like a, a certain set of parameters for what teams qualify as a Hard Knocks team. And uh, the Jets obviously qualified. They haven't made the playoffs in quite a long time. And I'm sure when they were looking at the teams on the table and they're looking at, you know, the Browns and the Texans and the Carolina Panthers and these kind of uh, the Tennessee Titans, I believe they didn't make the playoffs last year. Yeah, I mean, why would you not choose the team in New York with the big, sexy new quarterback in it? Um and especially a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, who's probably at some point going to say something on the show 
that's going to be like picked up and you know discussed and all that stuff because Aaron Rodgers is not a guy who stays quiet about things. But isn't there like a curse that if the team is featured on Hard Knocks, they 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 don't do well that season? I don't know if it's a curse as much as it is they choose teams that aren't very good normally. <laughs> you know, they, they they tend to choose teams that are you know rebuilding and you know a good team isn't going to be distracted by having you know a reality show on it. They're not going to invite HBO to record all their practices, practices and meetings and stuff like that. That's the kind of thing that a bad team has to endure. <laughs> well, you know, and that's the interesting thing is Aaron Rodgers, who is notoriously private aren't you a little surprised that he even said yeah we'll do it this year yeah he's private like a fox you know like he like that's his thing like he he talks about how like you know he doesn't want people viewing into his life and stuff but then he goes on pat mcafee and goes on his soapbox for an hour every week so you know this is a guy he doesn't like when his when the message isn't being controlled by him he doesn't like it when other people get to tell his story. He likes to make sure that he has the control of the narrative. So when he grumbles about, oh, I don't like these reports and stuff like that, he just doesn't like the fact that he didn't get to, you know, massage what they're saying. Ooh, you are so harsh, Matt. One last question. Is there that's any... the reality of Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's his thing. And listen, like, you're a famous person. Like, I get that it must be hard. To, you know, oh, it's hard to, to be, be it's a... hard to be Aaron Rodgers, right? Oh, yeah, real tough. <laughs> but, like, as, as with any famous person, it's hard to, you know, have people post things that may or may not be true. And Aaron Rodgers, throughout his career has had to deal with a lot of that kind of stuff. But, you know, I think that's also grown into a guy who can be, I don't know, a little paranoid about <laughs> the media and about the world at large, maybe. Is there any sports-type show that you do like watching? Uh, you know, I, there's some good documentaries out there, but a lot of, I, I will say, NFL films in general does a really fun job. Like, I think they're... Uh, they're like season recap videos are always fun, but they're all focused on the game. They're all focused on the sports on screen and stuff like that. It's, it's when they try to feign that they're giving you this like really behind the scenes look that I'm like, well, is it? This is like, you know, the, the version that got passed by the NFL and the brass and was like, yes, this is the image we want to portray, oh, not I, the actual reality. I love your cynicism. All right, Matt Miller, <laughs> we, will be, we will be following you at OnMilwaukee.com. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Go Pack Go. It's 67 degrees at 858 on WTMJ. Coming up after the news, we're going to be talking with Milwaukee musician Brett Newski. Uh, you know, he's, he doesn't play that often in town, but he's got a gig coming up here in the next week. And he's going to talk a little bit about his upcoming tour and wait until you hear where he's going. It's all I had on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. This is Wisconsin's Weekend Morning News with Liddy Collins. And welcome back to Hour 2, and a little bit later on, we're going to be talking with Jim Peck. You remember him. He used to be here on Saturday mornings on WTMJ. He's going to talk a little bit about Bob Barker and The Price is Right, so that'll be later on this hour. Right now, though, let me introduce you to Brett Newski. He's, of course, an author. He's an illustrator. 
painter, blogger, podcaster, and video prankster. And we've had him on WTFJ Conversations, and he is just back from touring, and you're going to be playing right here in, I believe it's Wauwatosa next weekend. Hey, what's up, Libby Collins? Yeah, yeah, Hart Park. I used to play streetball there when I was in high school. Well, yeah, because you were quite the basketball player. I was like our third best player. We had a good team. Uh, I lived down the street from the from the best player in the in the conference, so I got lucky. I grew up next to him. Yeah, well, you've got. You, we're playing. I, Isaac is a huge fan of yours, our, our producer, and we're playing your new song. Tell us a little bit about that one, Nooski. Oh, but I don't even remember. Honestly, like when people ask me about like what songs mean, like I wrote them. Even if I wrote them like a month ago, I like I struggle to remember. It's just an in the moment thing. I mean, that song, if I recall correctly, it's called "This Love Is a Fluke." It's kind of a grungy, old school Weezer slacker rock song, kind of a kind of a party rock song. But it's just kind of about I don't know being a fringe character and kind of trying to find your. Uh, your place in the in the trying to find the right social circle really yeah i i really like it i i i think this is i i really like this one a lot now tell us a little bit about your tour because you're on the road constantly and i'm kind of intrigued because i know you're going back to south africa what draws you to there because you've played there before right yeah i think this is probably my 10th time going there it was like haphazardly just like the first place I ever did a tour because I got invited out there um, by a South African artist. And um, it just kind of sparked. It was really encouraging. It really sparked uh, motivation for me. And, uh, you know, I think there's just less bands over there. And it just I think it's maybe a little easier to cut through. I'm not sure. But for whatever reason, the response was really cool. And, you know, the, there's a there's a energy in the air, and people are pumped to see you, and they're like, "Oh, Brew, you came all the way to South Africa, Brew. It's so lucky. Thank you for coming, Brew." So it's uh, I love that place, and it's usually very sunny and great food without corn syrup injected into it. You know. You know, it's interesting that you say that they're so grateful to have you there because they don't have that much music like you play, but. Our audiences, not just in South Africa, but you you tour Europe a lot. I know you're in the UK, Netherlands, Germany, Austria. Do they differ from what you see back here in the in the U.S. and in particularly in in Wisconsin? Yeah, I mean Europeans are just a bit more reserved. So I mean, I think just in general life, like there's just a bit less anxiety in the air in Europe. I don't I don't know what what it is um americans just party a bit more outwardly and that's fun too it's it's really fun for rock shows but uh i don't know we're like the america's amazing but it is also like the beacon of horrible mental health and the <laughs> i struggle with that myself but you know we're in this kind of weird fame chase culture and uh you know everyone's in a in a social media like nintendo game kind of inadvertently or not playing the traps of comparisons with our friends and acquaintances. And I, I don't even know if I'm actually answering your question, but, but crowds are, are both awesome on, uh, on both sides. I think it's just easier to kind of relax in some of these slower 
some of these countries with slower pace of life, like um, Europe and South Africa. I know you mentioned about struggling with mental health, and you, you've written a book called It's Hard to Be a Person, about defeating anxiety, surviving the world, and having more fun. And uh, you've, you've integrated that into your music as well. I know that you've got a, 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 an album that kind of accompanies that book. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's. I made a soundtrack to the book. I was uh, my my producer Spatola and I. We were making kind of a bunch of acoustic punk recordings, like kind of in the Violent Femmes inspired kind of stuff. You know, really raw, kind of stripped down, but like loud and fast acoustic instrumentation and power pop and short hooky songs. So those songs, I just uh, I wrote them kind of, you know, transporting myself back into you know, being a middle schooler, a high schooler, a young person, just trying to kind of figure out my, my brain and, and my world and my, you know, philosophies and where I stood on things. So it the songs just fit right in with the book. So it just made sense to kind of team them up together. Well, I know a lot of people are excited that you're going to be playing back here in Wisconsin next weekend. And again, it's at, it's at Hart Park. Tell us about that and how everybody can come to see you. Yeah, so it's at Hard Park uh, Labor of Love Festival, and uh, we play during the day. We play at 2 o'clock, which is awesome. I love playing during the day where I can drink an iced coffee and then go up on stage. Are audiences during the day a little bit different than the ones you play for at night? Well, I don't know. We haven't played during the day in, in years, so... Yeah, I mean they're uh, they're probably a little less buzzed up and a little more. I don't know. I, yeah, it'll be it'll be great. But uh, the toughest thing about playing daytime is the sun is just ripping you to shreds, and you can't see like your gear, your pedal boards, and the and the switches uh, by your feet. So it's it, it's actually one of the more challenging things to play in the in the hard sun. Not to mention my my uh, pasty Polish complexion getting sunburned. That's interesting that you say it's more challenging to play during the day at night because I would have thought the reverse. I'm 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 really surprised that you say that. Well, I'll tell you if you haven't seen Brett Newski and his band Newski, if if you've seen them and you want to see them again, next Sunday is the date. Hart Park and again two o'clock in the afternoon, Brett. That's right. I heard that you were going to crowd surf also, Libby Collins. I you know what I am. I will be there. <laughs> All right, audio <laughs> evidence. Yeah, okay. Hey, listen, Brett, always great to hear from you, and good luck on that next tour. I, I envy you going to South Africa. Thanks, Libby. You're an ultra pro. I appreciate it. It's 914, 68 degrees at WTMJ. Make it seven wins in a row for the Milwaukee Brewers as they take the series over the Padres with a 5-4 final on Saturday night. They got some great pitching from Freddie Peralta, but it came down to the wire in yet another one-run game. The stretch and the 2-2 coming. Struck him out with a changeup. Ball game over. It's seven straight for Milwaukee. A 5-4 win tonight at American Family Field. Jeff Levering on the call here on WTMJ. Devin Williams locks down his 31st save. Freddie Peralta also claimed the win, his career-high 11th. Here's what Craig Council had to say about the second half's best pitcher. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about his first half when there wasn't, you know, the results weren't exactly what we wanted, but there didn't look like anything that we needed to really adjust. And, and, I, and I think 
just kind of sticking to it. And, you know, the number one thing with Freddie is always going to be, let's just keep him healthy, keep the arm solid and in good shape. And it feels like every start he's making, he's showing that big stuff. The finale of the series is today with coverage beginning at noon. First pitch is scheduled at 110 here on WTMJ. And a standings update with the Brewers winning seven in a row now. They still hold a four-game lead on the NL Central over the Chicago Cubs. The Reds also victorious on Saturday. They remain five games back. The Packers wrapped up the preseason on Saturday afternoon as well up at Lambeau Field. All sealed on a highlight interception from rookie safety Benny Sapp III. Holton Ailes. Good pocket. End zone. Intercepted. It's picked up. Benny Sapp has saved the game and given Green Bay the win. Kevin Harlan on the call. So now the preseason is all finished. The Packers win over the Seahawks 19-15. Now all eyes are on week one, September 10th, down in Chicago, taking on the Bears. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Dominic. It is 68 degrees at WTMJ. We're only going to get up to 71 today. The following is a paid presentation. Advice and opinions expressed during the Sunday sip are solely that of the hosts or guests and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC. This is Jen Latta. You are listening to WTMJ's Sunday Sip, and we got a full house in here today. Lots of folks to talk about what is going to be a great collaboration. First, John Reitz, SVP of Great Midwest Bank. Dave Grams, the executive director of the Alzheimer's Association of Wisconsin. And Bonnie Blair, someone that needs no introduction. She's an Olympian. She's a gold medalist, one of the most decorated athletes in Olympic history, who happens to call Wisconsin home. And we are talking about a collaboration between Great Midwest Bank and the Alzheimer's Association of Wisconsin. So, John, I want to start with you. Why is your company, Great Midwest Bank, partnering with the Alzheimer's Association? Thanks so much for having me today. Uh, at Great Midwest, uh, every month we do a casual for a cause at the ground roots level. We have folks that vote on a cause, and uh, the Alzheimer's Association Wisconsin chapter has been something we've supported for a long time, and we decided to take that to a bigger level, a higher level, where uh, we're going to be supporting the walk. Um, we've enjoyed the opportunity to expand our Simply Giving platform uh, with uh, by joining forces, really, with uh, radio partners like you. Uh, we're able to provide some meaningful exposure for organizations like the Alzheimer's Association and their upcoming series of walks. So uh, we're thrilled to be a part of that. And I hear that there is a role that banks often play in early dementia detection. I wasn't aware of this, but can you expand on that? What are some of the ways that banks recognize the signs of Alzheimer's, maybe before a lot of other people? That's absolutely right. Our frontline professionals, and primarily on the personal banking side of things, are some of the first to recognize early signs of Alzheimer's and other dementia. Uh, We take our responsibility very seriously at Great Midwest Bank and have some formal training from the Waukesha Aging and Disabilities Resource Center. So we're always looking out for that and, again, take those uh, responsibilities to our communities uh, very seriously. There are more than 120,000 Wisconsinites living with Alzheimer's, more than 198,000 serving as their caregivers. Dave Grams of the Alzheimer's Association of Wisconsin also here. What does your association do for that community? Sure. Well, first off, thanks so much for the opportunity to be here, Jen. Uh, And uh, I want to say thank you to uh, Great Midwest Bank, uh, incredible partner uh, with us, and great to be here with Bonnie Blair as well. Uh, so the Alzheimer's Association is leading the way in the fight against Alzheimer's, uh, both through global research, uh, more than $360 million in current uh, grants active across the globe, 
uh, but we're also doing education, building awareness in the community uh, to, to help grow understanding with regard to the disease. And then finally, we're active providing care and support to all those who are impacted. And that means caregivers uh, who are caring for a loved one who might be living with the disease, as well as those who are uh, directly impacted. Uh, so we are uh, directly involved in uh, that kind of support and uh, active in communities, not only here in Wisconsin, but across the country. You know, I've talked to Bonnie Blair before. Usually it's at the Pettit Center and we're talking about something skating related. This is a little bit different. And you are very passionate about the walk to end Alzheimer's. I know you'll be participating in the walk and we're going to put a big team together. But what what is your story? How are you intimately connected with Alzheimer's? Yes, yeah, so my mom um, was somebody uh, who suffered dementia, a form of Alzheimer's, and uh, it was kind of just one of these coincidences where a friend of a friend said, would you mind kind of coming and helping with a walk? And I was like, oh, yeah, this is perfect. You know, it, this is affecting my mom. I'd love to join in. That was in 2001, um, and I'm still here today, and uh, my mom uh, ultimately lost her battle, but but uh, I just know how much this disease affects so many people. Uh, I actually had taken an Olympic flag with me to Sochi to get signatures on it to auction off at one of their dinners. And I only got medalists who medaled at the Olympics. And almost every single person that I got to sign it said, oh, my grandma, Oh, my aunt. Like, there was a connection somewhere to everybody. I kind of get goosebumps thinking about it. And uh, it it is a disease that affects so many different people. But here in, uh, you know, southeastern Wisconsin, we have a ton of walks. There's so many out there. um, And we hope that we can get more people uh, to the walks involved and hopefully find a way uh, to cure this terrible disease. There will be 27 walks around Wisconsin this fall. We'll get to that in just a moment. But you also award a Blair's Cares honor every year. What is that? How did that come to be? Who do you give it to? So after my mom passed away, uh, in conjunction with the Alzheimer's Association, they kind of came up with this idea of uh, honoring somebody every year, uh, really who goes above and beyond in that volunteerism for uh, the organization. So we've been doing this every year. It's usually always a surprise. So it's always fun to kind of be there at that specific walk with that specific person we're going to honor. Sometimes we've honored like siblings or, um, you know, we've we've done a little bit of of two at some point, but we always look to to, um, say a special thank you to somebody who's really going above and beyond the call of duty. John Reitz from Great Midwest Bank sitting next to you. I know you'll be walking in the walk to end Alzheimer's as well. Who will you be walking for? I'll be walking for a friend who was diagnosed with early onset dementia in his 50s. Um, I'm also in my 50s, and I'm now at that point where I have friends with parents uh, that have issues, and I've already given out the 800 number. Dave, you want to repeat that number? What is it again? Absolutely. 800-272-3900. That's the 24-7 helpline that people can call. Dave, what are some early signs someone should be aware of that might send them to the doctor when it comes to dementia, potentially for themselves or a loved one? So really, it's all about changes perhaps in memory, thinking, or behavior that begin to disrupt daily life, daily life function that uh, people are seeing uh, 
you know, a, a lack of engagement in some things that people love to do, hobbies, crafts, uh, familiar places that they would normally go. And uh, they're, they're retreating a bit from that. Uh, also, uh, not, not being able to, um, you know, handle some of the more uh, routine daily life functions, uh, balancing a checkbook, finances, etc. cetera. Um, there's, there's a lot of different signs uh, to look for, uh, but all of them, the net result would be, please talk with your doctor right away. That's what we encourage. Early detection is the, is the best way to get ahead of uh, the impact of the disease. We talked about how there are 27 walks this fall in Wisconsin alone. How can people find a local walk to end Alzheimer's, and how can they register their walking team? Sure. Well, uh, they can go to alz.org backslash walk. That uh, will get people connected to the entire uh, collection of walks across the country. There are 300, or excuse me, 630 uh, across the nation, and 27, as you mentioned here, just in the state of Wisconsin. So it's the uh, number one way that we build awareness uh, in the community as well as uh, our um, drive revenue to uh, help fund our mission. That number, once again, 800-272-3900. It's the 24-7, 365 helpline for the Alzheimer's Association, answering questions, giving information, kind of just being that resource in the community for people who might be wondering if they or a loved one are dealing with onset Alzheimer's. And we mentioned the 27 walks this fall in Wisconsin. For more information, you can go to act.alz.org forward slash Wisconsin. John Dave Grams and Bonnie Blair, thank you so much for joining me here on the Sunday Sip. It's 68 degrees, 930. We're coming up to news right after this. Welcome back to the final half hour of Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. I'm Libby Collins. Well, you know what? Most of us watched that Republican primary debate on TV. The real decision makers were meeting away from the cameras, determining which candidates deserve the financial support. And joining us on our Tri-County Contracting Hotline is Former Congressman Scott Klug from Madison. Scott, from a fundraising perspective, who were the winners and losers on Wednesday night? I don't think we know yet. Debates have a funny way of boomeranging several days later. Clearly, the, the guy at the center of the stage, the, the young person who gathered most attention, Ramaswamy, I think is going to do really, really well. I think there's a sense that DeSantis probably rebounded some. I think um, Nikki Haley had a much better performance, and I think she was probably the overall winner. The interesting thing to see was what happens to Christie and Tim Scott, who I think in some ways both underperformed relative to expectation. You know, you have to keep in mind, this is the first of what I think are 11 planned debates. The next one's going to be in September in California. The next one's in October after that in Alabama. So in some ways, you don't want to get out too early. This is a long haul, and I, I think it, every candidate's going to have good moments and bad moments. And I think a couple people may not even qualify to make the debate stage in September. You've been in politics long enough. You know you can't sustain a campaign unless you have money. Are these eight people we saw the other night going to be able to fund the campaigns until the next debate? That's a good question. I mean, clearly, I think what you saw with DeSantis in some ways mirrored what happened to Scott Walker back in 16, and I was involved in Scott's campaign. A lot of early buzz, a lot of big fundraising numbers, and then a decision to hire a lot of staffers. And then Scott underperformed in the first presidential debate, and the money dried up, and then you had to lay people off, and that's a narrative that's hard to turn around. DeSantis is trying to do it. I think the jury is still out. Why DeSantis was struggling, people started to put their markers down elsewhere on Tim Scott and a little bit on Christie. I think now that Nikki Haley may be the big winner from a fundraising perspective. You know, and the other person in the debate will be interesting to see what happens with Trump's financial 
financial numbers. Every time he gets indicted, the money seems to pour in. But at some point, I can't believe there's just not some steady attrition that develops. And so much money is going out of the Trump campaign to pay legal expenses. He may find himself in a situation where he's raised the most money and may not actually have cash in the bank. Tim Scott, actually, in that situation, is in pretty good shape. He still has 20 or $25 million I spend. You think he's in it for the long haul, or at least the foreseeable future? Yeah, I think when people moved money away from DeSantis, a lot of the smart money went to Tim Scott's campaign. But I think this is going to put a pause there because he it wasn't a good format for him. It was a strange setting. It was like a world wrestling match, a uh, wrestling federation <laughs> match. I've never heard that much cheering, that much booing in a presidential debate. He said after the debate, I didn't realize it was going to be a food fight, so I'll be sure to bring more food with me to the next one. And the next one will be a much different tone. It's at the Reagan Library in California. I think the attendance is maxed at 250 people. It'll be much more sedate, and it may be playing much more to issues than sort of the street theater we saw the other night. Well, you mentioned issues. The, the only one who really talked about issues seemed to be Nikki Haley. What Nikki did, I think, really well is that she was able to sort of catch the the ebb and the flow and the waves of the debate. She seemed to capture a bunch of different moments. Some of the other candidates had a moment where they did very, very well talking about issues. I think Christie did in terms of Trump's selectability. I think DeSantis did in terms of what his performance has been in Florida. I think Scott was very eloquent on education. But over the course of the night, she consistently seemed to get points made at each different step. That's why I think she had such a good performance. Is Ramaswamy all just glitter? Well, if he gets elected president, I may not be on his cabinet list. I thought he was very strange, divisive character. Christie made a great point that his opening statement was actually a ripoff from Barack Obama's opening statement at the Democratic Convention, where he said, who's this skinny kid with a funny name running for president? So he, I think, stood out just by capturing so much time. He was glib and he was entertaining. But I also think there was immaturity and also a lack of experience. And you can bet in California, the long knives will be out for him. I mean, clearly, that's who they're going to whose bubble they're going to try to pierce last time out. I'm not sure the shtick he did will work well in the long run. I think it's got him early attention. But now I think in the next month, the press is going to look closely at all of the statements he made. The opposition research will be much more different. In a month from now, we may be writing whether that was the start and October is the end of his campaign. I just don't think it's sustainable. You mentioned Chris Christie. Is he in it because he seriously wants to become president or just to stir up reaction against former President Trump? I think it's both. You know, there was a move afoot in 12 to draft Christie when he was sort of at the peak of his career in New Jersey to be a alternative to Mitt Romney. And it's always funny in politics. You got to jump when the time is right. And he didn't do it. And now he's a little bit of yesterday's news. And I think it's hard to recapture magic. People sort of come and go on the national political stage. If you look at all the candidates who were on the stage in Milwaukee in 16, I don't really sure that there was a single person who was on the stage in 16. You know, Jeb Bush is long gone. Marco Rubio's gone. Scott Walker's gone. Ted Cruz is gone. And so I think Christie might have missed this opportunity. There's another thing with Christie that a friend of mine described during this draft in 12, which he's very much a Jersey guy. And as Barry said, you know, he doesn't appreciate that in most places in the country, 
people still say please and thank you. He's always been a little bit of a bull in the china shop, and I think he's going to have some challenges raising money, and the tough talk against Trump plays pretty well with suburban voters and plays pretty well with Democrats and plays well with independents. I'm not sure it plays very well at all with committed core Republican voters in the base. And so that'll be the Christie may get awards for sort of taking the shot and landing a punch on Trump's nose. I'm not sure that plays well in the Iowa caucuses. 943 and 67 degrees at WTMJ. How can you help Habitat for Humanity? We'll tell you right after this. 945 on WTMJ. You know, John McCure talked with Christy Siebold from Habitat for Humanity about an event that's going to happen later this week. Women Build is a project, a program that we do every August, and we bring together teams of women, both corporate partner sponsored teams and um, many friend groups that are doing peer to peer fundraising. And it's just a blast. Over half, this doesn't get shared a lot, but over half of our construction crew are women. Wow. And so on our staff. And so we have full days with all women on the build site doing everything from framing to siding to flooring and drywall and painting. And we just have a really great time out there together. That's real work. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But you don't have to know anything. We take newbies and we take experienced people through our through our Women Build program. Um, this year, we're having 14 teams come out, and together, those teams have already raised fifty thousand dollars towards wow. our seventy five thousand dollar house sponsorship goal. And TMJ's team is and Good Karma Brands team is coming out to do some flooring with us. I'm glad you said that you don't need to know anything because I know these women and they're amazing, but they don't know anything. <laughs> So yeah. they're going to be doing flooring on a house, right? Our team's from The Truth and WTMJ and ESPN Milwaukee. Yeah. What will they be actually doing? So we um, lay vinyl flooring in all of our homes. And so it'll be spreading glue and cutting plank Dang. flooring and all the things that go into um, putting a floor in uh, on a family's home. So I wanted to give a quick shout out to our other corporate sponsors just because they uh, have already brought their teams out and they're amazing. Um, Thrive Realty. And uh, General Mills and Harris Family Dental, MGIC, PNC Bank, and We Energies Foundation are our other corporate sponsors this year. That is absolutely amazing. So what happens if our team screws up the floor? They won't. We have great (laughs) training. It'll go awesome. People want to help. How did they do that? Yeah, absolutely. Because this is a fundraiser, It is a too, fundraiser, right? yeah. So a house sponsorship is $75,000. And if your listeners would like to contribute to the Good Karma Brands team, they can go to milwaukeehabitat.org, click on the Donate button, and then there's a link to the Women Build um, donation page. Great idea. It's 947. We're one minute away from Dominic Catronio in sports. For the second consecutive game, the Brewers ride one hot inning to defeat the San Diego Padres and mark seven consecutive wins. A 5-4 final on Saturday keeps the Brewers four games clear of the Cubs in the NL Central. And a five-run fifth inning was all the offense needed. Here's manager Craig Council. It was a move-the-line type inning. Just a, just a bunch of good at-bats and a bunch of guys, you know, we got some momentum going. You know, we got some some runners on and and in an inning when he was maybe tiring a little bit and uh, made it work. The finale of the series is today at 110 as the Brewers look for their eighth consecutive win. Our coverage will begin at noon. I've got you covered for Brewers warm up. Then the network pregame takes over at 1235 for first pitch at 110. 
The finale of the preseason for the Packers has come and gone. A 19-15 victory for Green Bay. Jordan Love went 9-15 of 15 in the contest for 63 yards in the air and one touchdown. He also rushed a little bit too, collecting 21 yards on the ground. All in all, head coach Matt LaFleur was pleased, but there was one thing that caught his eye. The energy in the stadium, our fans were, you could feel it. Would love to refrain from doing the wave on when we're on offense, but it feels like that's tradition, so... But it was, it was all in all, it was really good. It was great. Week one of the NFL season is two weeks from today, September 10th, down at Soldier Field for the Packers and the Bears. And week zero of the college football season has come and gone. And no surprises, Notre Dame 13th ranked team in Ireland defeat Navy 42-3. Also number six, USC had no problem at home with San Jose State 56-28. Heisman hopeful Caleb Williams threw for four touchdowns. 19th ranked Wisconsin opens at home next Saturday against Buffalo. For WTMJ Sports, I'm Dominic Catronio. Thanks, Don. Coming up in just a couple minutes, Jim Peck is going to join us talking about Bob Barker's legacy. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. 954, 70, it's 67 degrees. We're going to get up to 71 today. Joining us is Jim Peck. He was here with us. For years and years and years on WTMJ, and he knows all about game shows. And, of course, yesterday, Bob Barker, the host of The Price is Right, passed away at the ripe old age of 99. But I'll tell you, he leaves quite an impact, doesn't he, in terms of how many years did he spend on TV? Well, I think it was uh, somewhere starting about 1830. Um <laughs> Bob was amazing. Uh, I'm old enough to remember Truth or Consequences when it was on radio. And he took it over on television. And I mean, the man did an entire career on two game shows. Where did I go wrong, Libby? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, Truth and Consequences for how many years? It was about 15 years. And then The Price is Right. Yeah, and I don't know if you were aware of this. I was. I, I, I just, because Jessica had it this morning. And that is that Johnny Olson who was the first announcer on The Price is Right, actually worked here at WTMJ back in the 30s? Yes, he did. And uh, Johnny was a terrific guy. I, I knew him slightly. Um, we worked together a couple of times. And he was just a, a, a consummate professional. And the, the other thing was we sat around and talked, of course, about Milwaukee, which was great fun. It, it, going back to Bob Barker, 35 yes. years on The Price is Right. Why... First of all, how did he last that long? And what is it about that show that even now that he, you know, I mean, he stepped down 15 years ago, but it still continues very popular, even playing at night in primetime. It's a terrific show. It's just, it's just a classic game show. It's very simple. It's easy to understand. You, you look at it and immediately you've got it. And it, it, it's the excitement in the audience and and uh, you you identify with that person and you frankly you think of yourself i could i could win all that if i just had the right thing and you play along and that's one of the big tricks and bob was was just a master at knowing when to talk and when to be quiet and just let you go and let the the show flow on you know but he had integrity because after what hosting miss universe and and miss usa for over 20 years he stepped down because the the what the the uh, people running that particular uh, beauty pageant still used for coats. I mean that that was integrity. He was absolutely committed to uh, to animal rights and animal welfare, and and 
you had to be careful if you I didn't I didn't uh, spend time with Bob but I knew many people of course who worked with him and knew him and you had to be very careful because if you said something he would bend your ear for an hour on on what was going on he really he wasn't just someone who mouthed things he he lived it and he and he studied it and he he knew more about animals than most veterinarians <laughs> that's pretty funny joe now what do you think his impact will be i mean in in terms of television will we ever see his likes again hosting a show like that well, it's hard to say it's uh, uh, the odds are certainly against it but you never know um you know, I just think of Alex Trebek, who left us a year or so ago, and uh, how how long he ran Jeopardy, and now other people will do it. And uh, of course, someone Art Fleming did it before he got it. Uh, so you you never know. It's it's unlikely that a show would run that long, uh, but you get the right chemistry and it, it can go look how long wheel of fortune has run no doubt about that you just wonder how ryan seacrest will do with that one hey jim exactly. and who will ever replace vanna white <laughs> we can only hope okay jim <laughs> jim Peck, thank you for joining us this morning always great to talk with you it was a pleasure Lily. always a pleasure to talk to you it's nine fifty-eight. coming up after the news it's the acunet mortgage and realty show with brian and david wickert now return at 11 o'clock our guest on conversations today is randy bryant from 10 chimneys